Hello, and thank you for joining us here at Where Am I To Go podcast. Before we start our show today, there's a couple things I would like to bring to your attention. First of all, we have a Facebook page where we post lots of pictures of places we've been and things that we've done, and also other little things that people might be interested in knowing. We also have an email address at whereamitogopodcast at gmail.com. If anybody has any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about our program, please let us know. I'm more than interested in hearing comments, feedback, and that type of stuff, and it will also help to make a better show. And lastly, we are on Patreon. If anybody's interested in joining us there and helping us along with our adventures, we would be more than happy to have your assistance. Now, thanks again for joining us today, and let's get on with the show. Today we are in San Angelo, Texas, and we are with a gentleman by the name of Mark Priest, who is going to be our guide and I'm the curator of the museum that we are at. Today we are at a museum that some people might find a little bit controversial. I find it rather intriguing. We are at the Bordello, Miss Hattie's Bordello. And we are going to be talking about activities that happened here. We're going to try to keep it at a G rating. But as you know, this is a subject that uh, you may be interested in, you may not be interested in. I think that there's going to be a lot of interest because things that happened here happened for a reason. It was a service that was provided. And we are ready to talk to Mark a little bit about this Bordello and also about the... Uh, community of San Angelo because we pulled into here, never been here before, and I pulled into here last night, stopped in and talked to Mark for a few minutes, and he recommended that we go camp uh, just outside of town at Middle Lake Concho Park. We went there. It was a beautiful park. The water, the trees, it's absolutely beautiful out there, and on our way through, Linda and I were both talking about what a nice little town this is. I don't know how big it is. 50,000 people, maybe? 110,000 now. Is there really that many? Yeah. It just, it, it feels like a little bit of a smaller town. And You know, for many years, the slogan out here was surprising San Angelo. If okay. you're in other parts of the country and it's a little bit harder to relate to how far a mile is in Massachusetts versus Texas, drive across Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Texas. Right, a whole lot of Texas. So, you know, if you were coming from the east side of Texas, you get to San Angelo on either I-20 or I-10, and you get out to this point, you're already a day and a half down the road, and you got another day going to, the, going to the west. Well, if you look at where San Angelo is on the map, we're at the conflux of three rivers. And okay. so that's why it exists, water. Water is the, the ancient uh, uh, superhighways. Exactly. So, and without water, you don't live real long. Not very long at all. Found out to the east side of town is some pretty good farmland, fairly good ranch land all around the area. And whatever image goes with Texas, the ranches out here are huge. Not unusual for 50, 60, 70,000 acre ranches, you know, things that are wow. 20 and 30 square miles. 
That's a big ranch. That's a big ranch. It is yeah. a big ranch. And the, the community's very clean. We uh, have it. It looks like you've got some really cool businesses here. In fact, we were on our way to San Antonio, and we are seriously considering spending the day here just to see what else is going on in San Angelo before we head to San Antonio later this afternoon. So I'll sell you San Angelo. We, we got a chance to visit last night. You right. stayed in the park a little bit, got a little bit of taste of the river. Uh, the establishment of the area goes back to the 1850s primarily and the German land grants. So immigrants coming from Europe over to eventually Texas, um, there was free land. Okay. And a lot of Texas, certainly from say east of the Austin area on west is from those those land grants. That brought a lot of people in. It also brought in a development of forts to protect those those immigrants and settlers coming into the area. So one of the really wonderful things we have is Fort Concho, the best preserved frontier fort in North America. Wow. Veritably 80% of our buildings over there are intact, the original buildings. There are some that are you know gone, evidently because it's been so long in, as far as time. But what's unique to me versus the forts in a lot of the area, you can stand on the west end of the parade ground and look towards the fort, and you can see what it looked like in 1877. Really? It hasn't changed much at all? None. Wow. That's the whole thing about it. So it hasn't been built up so excessively around it, you know, that it impedes that ability to really imagine what it was like. We have uh, lily gardens that are just a couple of blocks from downtown. Uh, a ah, wonderful, eclectic combination of the bars and the restaurants. They're all locally owned. None of them are chains, anything like that. Um, and so they each have their own look, even architecturally, in the front of the buildings. I was noticing that as we were... I mean, that was one of the things that Linda and I were talking about last night, that the town just seems so cozy and friendly and unique. I would and, say and you know, unique. 80% of our buildings downtown have been redone. If they're not redone, they have been secured to the point where they're not continuing to decline. And the architecture is really cool. I mean, you've got oh, some yeah. really neat storefronts and the arches above the buildings and, and little spires. And I mean, it's just it's a really cool little yeah. town. Um, I mean, modern today, we have Angelo State University, which is owned by Texas Tech University. We have one of the leading nursing programs in the country here in San Angelo. They do security training out at Goodfellow Air Force Base Technical Training Center. Uh, that adds, uh, between the instructors, the military that comes and goes, and the students, that's anywhere from nine to 11,000 people. And that military influence is a good thing. And what we teach them we teach, the military teaches them, I call it cloak and dagger, but it's, it's what our younger people need to know in order to protect our country. And the training's okay. done here locally. Wow. It's, so that's a big, big, big plus. We've got the three area lakes, which right now have water in them. Yes. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> uh, and they, and a lot know, of wildlife. I was oh, amazed. A lot of wildlife. Last night while we were boondocking out there, we were hearing birds. I don't know what kind of birds because I'm not from here, but we were hearing birds all night. We were hearing fish jumping. It was just, it, it was the ultimate camping experience, and we were only a mile and a half out of town. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's, it, was, it was just that's way the cool. cool thing about well, And, you and know, there we were get, deer walking around. Oh, yeah. And then where you guys were, there's enough uh, camping traffic over there and boondogging that the deer will get fairly close to you, you know, unlike being out in the wild. And then we've got the Concho River that comes through town. Okay. And then, the, you know, the Concho River is significant in that that's, uh, the name comes from uh, 
Uh, it's the Latin word for shell, and it relates to the fact that there are pearls found in the freshwater mussel shells oh, around really? the area. They're pink and purple-colored natural pearls. Natural pearls are exceedingly rare. So there's something very unique. And then, of course... Are they protected, or can people go on out and find these? Or Yeah, they're protected, but not excessively. And I say that because the populations of the shells are actually in pretty good shape. In fact, if anything, there's a lot of young shells that are now in the process of, of growing older. Okay. Because it just has to do with how much surface water we have. Right. And we had really, really good rains now two years ago. And, and there are springs and whatnot still flowing because of that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's, a, that's a good thing for the area. Water's important. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit about your, your museum. Your museum is located on the second floor of your building. You've got, how many stairs are coming up here? 25? Oh, yeah. 25, 25 30, 30 stairs. stairs. So a person needs to walk on up here. And yes. it's above the jewelry store. Correct. And the jewelry store is your jewelry store. And, Legend and lots Jewelers. Of pretty shiny things in there. Yeah. yeah was, that, that was fun to look at anyway. But then you guys do tours. Is that the way that you usually do this? Or do you just let people come on up? And normal times, <laughs> okay. like on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we do tours at the top of the hour, one, two, three, four. Okay. Now we're only doing them at two and three, and we're limiting it to 10 people. Per tour, evidently, okay. for the circumstances. Uh, normally, on a given Saturday, it's good to call ahead of time because we we might have 15 or 18 on a normal tour, normal times, right. and be filled up all four tour times on a Saturday afternoon. Wow. So, so it get gets a lot a of, traffic. of traffic. It's very unusual. I think there's only one other Bordello Museum in the country. It's in Cripple Creek. There's one. There's one in uh, Butte, Montana. Okay. And we tried to get a, a tour through there, but with the COVID and everything, when we were going through in July, we weren't able to make that connection. So, and, and I think there's one in Pendleton, Oregon, too. I was in one in Pendleton, Oregon, years and years ago. Might be a visitor center now. It might be a visitor center now. <laughs> that's that's right. Is there one in Deadwood? Well, we need so, to get an organization going, you don't do. we? <laughs> Bordello owners. There you go, Bordello owners. Ex-Bordello, no, Bordello owners ah, of America yeah. that aren't still in operation. Or maybe a reopening. <laughs> so, anyway. I get and, asked about that a lot. And, and uh, somebody told me that it was really common for the bordellos to be open above other businesses, uh, like, like this one is. This is, you know, just standing here in the lobby. You've got rooms going all the way down both sides of the hall, kind of like the old hotels. That's You've got right. a dining area, it looks like, a parlor. And why is that? Why is it upstairs? Why is it upstairs? I... I don't know. I mean, as far as... Well, now, the building was built in, in 1898 by a younger couple who had come to San Angelo. Okay. In 1902, and I mean, she was maybe 17, 18, 19 years old, they got a divorce. In the divorce, he was awarded the downstairs and she was awarded the upstairs. <laughs> okay. And is that Miss Hattie? Yeah. Okay. And, and what was the reason for the divorce? <laughs> You know, I visited with one of the professors out at the college, and he, you know, in buying the building, the museum came with it, but we want to, I, I love history, and I think pres presenting it in a, you know, in a positive way, and it's, exactly. and in a positive way, I mean that if, when the guys came through here on Tuesday in 1886, 
The women were here on Thursday. Okay. In other words, as men expanded, the women were right behind them. But the ratios weren't real so, good. No, probably not. You know, the there choice was... wouldn't have been that great. Right. Um, but it, it it was what it was. You know, if you nineteen ten, let's say, and, and here you had a woman who was divorced. If she wasn't the daughter of somebody or the wife of somebody, right. she was questionable just because of those two factors. Right. So Miss Hattie. Had a good head on her shoulders. Apparently, this place stayed open for 50 years. Wow. And uh, she took care of the girls. Um, what we know about the girls in each of the individual rooms has come from years of hearsay and stories and some of the family members. And that's how we've kind of built a tour in that uh, the girls, the soiled doves, we're in many, many, many different circumstances as far as life is concerned. Right. And whether it might have been just for six months or for six years that they worked in the business, Miss Hattie made it a point to take care of them. They had regular doctor visits. They went to church every Sunday, albeit a different church every Sunday. <laughs> um, uh, she would host dinners up here because you, you had single cattlemen who might have been widowed or whatever. So... It was a very social place, especially especially the turn of the century. Uh, oil was discovered around here in the late 19-teens. In the 1920s, this would have been a West Texas version of a, you know, roaring 20s kind of a thing. Right. Uh, the community was growing, farming, it, it, and it exists everywhere. Still. Today. Today. Right now. It might not have a tour sign on the front door, but it's there. Right. Oh yeah, no, it's never. It's the world's oldest profession, I think, is the way it's termed. That's uh, one of the things we considered when I bought the building and was putting a jewelry store downstairs. Was, you know, that's pretty appropriate. You know, if the world's oldest profession is upstairs, the second oldest profession is rightfully downstairs. <laughs> they is, just go together. They go together, right? Yeah. But exactly. Miss Hattie was one tremendous businesswoman. Um, just in the last two years or so, um, we discovered that way out west of here, uh, she is present in, by name and by proxy on a lot of different properties. One of those properties happens to be a lease for drilling an oil well, and it happened to be what's known famously around this area is Santa Rita Number 1. Okay. And you can imagine what the number one stands for. That was what kicked off the huge oil that's been around here for 100 years now. She was one of the original investors in that, as best we can tell from the paperwork. And wow. that there are uh, many other pieces of paper in the old abstracts that show that she owned property in the area. And a lot of property around San Angelo uh, did tremendously great things for women locally. Um, you know, I mean, in, in hindsight... Despite the business, uh, she did a lot of good things for humanity. And there's, there are people even still alive who didn't know her personally, but n their parents did. Right. And so they know the story. So, you know, this isn't a lot of made-up stuff. Um, it's stuff that she was a real human being. I mean, she was out there trying to make a living like anybody else. But, boy, she was a fantastic businesswoman. And I, you know, when I took the tour, and, and this was many years ago in Pendleton, Oregon, uh, we went through the bordello there, 
And he was saying that because the military base was there and those types of things, that the community actually protected, I can't remember what the madam's name was, Mm -hmm. but they protected the madam because they did not want their daughters being soiled doves by by the military men. And so they wanted the bordello there so that that would service that that community and 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 that is a i should say a need that's a good uh, point it's it, it's 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 a thing that's going to happen whether the business is here or not and whether it's your daughter or not and right. they respected the madam and she was actually a business person like you said that that did a lot of things for the community and miss hattie was known to teach the girls how to read when they knew how to read it was important that they they stayed up on, on local and regional news with the state of Texas and locally right. because they, they, they need to be able to carry on a conversation with, with their clients. Um, and that's just a human thing, I think. Um, but really, you've got to really plug in the fact that yeah, in 1919, a woman didn't have any rights. There was no voting rights at that point, and it was a man's world and the business world. And... It was one realm of business where it was cash rich. Right, right. And uh, she contributed to churches in the area. There's a lot of good stuff over time. It really is. And, and it is what it is. The place was closed in 1952. Um, the girls that are featured in the various rooms uh, come from those stories, like I say. And as you can tell by the building, it's pretty much, say, 1920s to 1940s. Yes. And what it looks like, an, an old Victrola yeah. You know, wind up uh, gramophone kind of a record player. Having the dining room table uh, during Prohibition, uh, this turned out to be a pretty popular place. And one example is right here by my right foot. You see this cutout in the floor? Right. Well, if you pull that up, what you see is the press tin ceiling Okay. from the jewelry store. But that's just about the size of a bottle of liquor. Right. That would be a great place to stash some during that time. Yep. There's another one underneath the dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the decor in here, this place is, is really done up nice. It, from what I'm seeing, just standing here in the lobby and looking at the three rooms I can see, yeah. you have done a fantastic job with, uh, with the decor as far as the, the velvet curtains and the furnishings and the, and the, rugs that are, the throw rugs that are on the floor. And it's just a, a really classy-looking uh, establishment right now. I don't know how much of this was still was, is still here from when Miss Hattie had it, you know, how much you did antique shopping in order to make it look this way. When it shut down, the building sat empty through the, through the mid-50s to the early 60s, I'm thinking. Maybe it was the early, uh, late 50s. And then there was a sporting goods store downstairs for many, many, many years. Uh, and to to the best that we can tell, that business only used the upstairs to stick overstock in. Okay. You know, packages of guns and all kinds of things related to a sporting goods store. What they never seemed to pay attention to were the back two bedrooms. Because uh, once that business went out of business, the building sat empty in the 60s. A lot of downtown areas, you know, really started declining through the 70s in that time. In the late 70s, a lady bought it to have an antique store downstairs and found the back. All the bed frames are original. A lot of the chairs scattered throughout here are. Evidently, the couches are not, because they would have been you know, toast by now. Right. Um, but we have tried to stay with the time frame. This wasn't a backside alley 
uh, Bordello. This was a top-of-the-line, first-class. Um, some of these girls charge the exorbitant fee of $2 for their favors. Wow. $2 would get you, would board your horse, give you a stay at the top of the floor in the St. Angeles Hotel, and two steak dinners. Wow. So that was, for the time, that was... Uh, you know, these girls were first class, absolutely. It, it was what it was. Right. Right. We just, we're not glorifying it. We simply provide a glimpse into a time gone by, but it's not gone by if you get it. Well, yeah. <laughs> right? No, no. No, it still exists. It just it's doesn't, just, as, as pronounced. I mean, everybody, I'm sure everybody within 50 miles of here knew that this is where they could go get those services. Right. Instead of... Yeah. Sometimes the, the fact that this is known as the Miss Hattie's building, because then there's also a restaurant two doors down called Miss Hattie's. Um, sometimes I swear the building's more famous than the jewelry store. <laughs> I mean, the store's been around for 50 years. Well. And, and people say, well, they're in the Miss Hattie's building. Well, where is that? Well, it's down there on Concho. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's been, you know, the thing is about these old buildings, and this is a part of it that I take real serious because I, I am pretty pretty strong about history, is the guy that I bought the building from was a single individual who brought probably 25% of this downtown area back. And then he started out by simply taking one building one at a time and securing it. New utilities, be it sewer lines, water, gas, electric, um, new windows, and a roof. Once you do those elements, then you can walk away from that building and it'll pretty much stay at least right. on a quality level. Well, then people started buying those buildings. At the time, originally in the 70s, the lady that bought this building, they didn't know what had been up here at that time. I mean, they could tell there were a bunch of beds in right. the back. There was trash all over the front here left over from 30 years of a sporting goods store. But other than that, it was empty, dusty, filthy, dirty. And it was only after spending several weeks of going through here, cleaning the place out, and then visiting with folks in town. Right. And they start finding those bed frames back there in the back. And you go, ah. Okay. Yeah. And then that's kind of how the whole thing was put back together again. And it is it is a beautiful building. And it's got the original press tin. Yes. Lots and lots of press tin. Those um, ceilings are really cool. Yes. Yes. And they're, they're pretty uh, ornate, like in the living room and the dining room. Oh, each one of them has a different... Uh... Yes, exactly, ceiling. but they were very And it has ornate. the borders and, and all of that going along with uh, the tin also. The bathroom features an oversized, old-style clawfoot tub. And it is oversized. That thing's six and a half feet long. Yeah, very desirable tub. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, And you've got the, the curtain that goes around it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, let's, uh, let, let's go ahead and start taking the tour of, of the building now that we've talked about so many peripheral things. Right. And uh, start getting a feel for just what you've got up here in the museum and, and take a look. So in view of the fact that Miss Hattie really did run a pretty strict business, um, the girls, like I said, she made it a point. They had doctor visits. Uh, you know, the, the, the guys who came off the street were... A, basically approved, okay? okay? In other words, she ran a, a top-notch business. Um, we feature each one of the girls in the different rooms, such as the room that we're in right now, features the old metal frame to the bed, and, you know, the springs on this thing are truly the old-style springs. springs out of the, yep. the 30s and 40s. 
But everything from the walls to the sheets to the wardrobe was blue. You can see the hip tub over here to the left in the corner of the room. Right, which is kind of a, a, a sitting tub where you, where you just kind of more or less walk you sit in it. Pots. That's pots. right. Your legs kind of stick out. Everybody's seen the pictures. This particular room was considered kind of a favored spot because you had the door connecting to the bathroom. And okay. so nobody, none of the other girls in the building had that had that accessible. So you had one bathroom up here for yeah, everybody to use. Exactly right. Kind of like the old hotels. But what's most intriguing is the peephole that looks from the bedroom into the bathroom right here. Uh-huh. There's a little peephole. See there? Yep. And who used that? I have no idea. <laughs> Just bring it to the attention. Yeah. Oh and then you've got a little heater in here. Yeah, that That's would have been a really uh, interesting looking heater. It, it must have been uh, kerosene. It, I guess it looks more like a miniature nuclear reactor. <laughs> but I it's mean, got look two at it. it's, it's got a it's got a reservoir on the side uh -huh. that has a, a wash pan on top, I'm sure for keeping warm water. And then it's got two burners underneath and uh, do you guys get that cold here? No, we have cold stents. You know, it'll get down into the teens, but it's a day or two. It may have been more of a water heat, a, a water heater well, than anything else. As you can tell from the flutes, actually, each room did have a flute going out. There's actually a chimney stack okay. on the roof, so they could have had a pot belly stove in here at the time. And then it's got um, a, he's got a, a barrier around. Uh, what are those walls called? Uh, just the decorative little walls that are portable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Going right. around it the to partitions. Kind of conceal that. Partition, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, to go around that. These rooms are about 12 by 12. They're nothing huge. Uh, it's got a really cool little lady lamp uh, with a lady with a big southern type dress and a, and a hat on for the uh, cover. It's just in the couple suitcases. Well, here, let's go over just to Miss nice, Hattie's office. A nice room. Um, we don't know exactly what the office originally looked like because uh, through the 40s and 50s, there was a massively huge evaporative cooler in here. Oh. You know, okay. the old-style swamp cooler. Right. And there was a hole in the floor that went down to the second floor. That was the cooling for the sporting goods store at the time. Okay. It must have been unbelievably un uncomfortable. So what happened over the course of the years, as you can see some remnant, there was a lot of rusting on the press tin. I was going to say the humidity had to have been horrible running the we swamp. We virtually had to pull all the plaster off the walls and redo it and, re and even rebuilt the window frames to some extent. So um, we don't know exactly what the office looked like. An intriguing thing was on the base of this window frame right here. Um, it's been taken out now. It's just a piece of one by four. But as the... The man was taking the weights out of these old windows. They uh -huh. had those big old long weights yes. from the time. Uh, he is down here at the bottom on this threshold of the window frame, and this little tray pops out. Then out of some hand-pressed tin, there's this tray that went all the way across the base of the window. Okay. It would have been a great place to hide cash or a bottle of liquor oh, yeah. or something. Ironically, You didn't it, find anything there, though. No, 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 no. We, we, <laughs> in fact, we had it closed up, and, and uh, it's just... You know, one of those things where it, the security of the building had to do with whether we would have any weather issues with that coming through the outside. Right. So we closed it up. Okay, um, and, and, and the office sits right at the top of the stairs. So as, as a gentleman came on up, he would come straight on into the office. That's right. And more than likely be examined, interrogated, whatever, by Miss Hattie. And hey, John, good, good to see you back. 
Miss Mabel's here. Um, just give her a couple of minutes and she'll be right here. Cool. There and you go. The, and the, and he's, he's got a desk in here that is a quarter circle, marble top, yeah. gold uh, painted or, or inlaid or whatever with very intricate design. Beautiful, beautiful desk. Mm -hmm. And he's got the, the feather Little pen sculpture and, and, and the log books and all of that kind of stuff there. But Miss Addie, in addition to her office, also had her own parlor. Okay. And... Since Miss Hattie didn't live here at the Bordello itself, this is the area where she would maybe spend a majority of her time while at work between these two rooms. Um, the red feigning couch uh, against the wall right there is original to the building. We've just had oh, really? it reupholstered. And beautiful velvet. Um, this room is also known as Evie's sitting room. Despite Miss Hattie's intolerance for alcohol, Miss Evie was one of the girls here, and she loved her gin. So she would hide her bottles underneath the cushions. Well, Miss <laughs> Hattie got to the point where she knew that. See, here's one right here. Uh -huh. a bottle of Chianti in there. Oh, yeah. Um, but once she discovered it, Miss Hattie terminated her employment. So she ran a strict, very strict business. Um, this, this adjoining room right here is her parlor, um, most of her politics and preserving her business took place in this room. Um, so that when need be, the adjoining parlor became another source of political persuasion. Okay. And, and this room here, again, is, is about, all these rooms, I guess, are going to be it's 10 by much... 12, 12 by 12, something like that. You've got a fantastic <laughs> dollhouse or miniature house that has... <clears throat> and it's, it's a bordello. It's all it up as a bordello. It yes, it is. is. And you've got it on a Lazy Susan, so it can be turned to see all the different rooms. And Isn't that it, something? It's a, it's a remarkable piece. Yes, Whoops. it is. So a lady over in East Texas spent about 20 years building this. Wow. And uh, her story was that every character that's in here is somebody she actually knew, or that person requested that they be... Included in the dollhouse. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or requested that they be included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, all, the, all the side doors open, and wow, oh yeah. this is just a, a wonderful piece. It's, I mean, all the way down to glasses sitting on the bar. It's, it is pretty cool. It just amazes I, me. I went to a museum, and I really want to go back and do a podcast there in Tucson, Arizona, called the Miniature Museum. Mm -hmm. Now, Linda said, let's go to the miniature museum. And I'm going, who wants to go see a bunch of stinking dollhouses? When we left, Linda said, that was a good museum. And I'm going, good museum? Holy smokes, I just thought that was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I mean, the time that is put into these miniature things is yeah. just... It is. You said 20 years. I can see 20 years yeah. without any problem. And that's not working on it all the time, but... Uh, the detail in here is just absolutely phenomenal from yeah. this lady shaving her legs with a book on her, on her little uh, dresser, the bathtubs, the uh, chessboards, uh, bowls of fruit. I mean, it's it just... Even the wires here in the harp. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and more than likely, it even plays. <laughs> could be, could be. It just... It, this miniature stuff, I did not think I'd ever be intrigued with, and, and my mind has been blown. It's pretty cool <laughs> stuff, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. It is just unbelievably cool. Yeah. And, and to think that, that this is somebody's life work. Truly. So each of the different rooms are like Miss Blue and whatnot. We have Miss Mabel. Um, 
We believe that over the course of the 50 years that there were actually two Miss Hatties. Um, okay. She was a married woman from New Mexico, and her husband was stricken with consumption, which, of course, was a word for, I guess, so many other things we didn't know what it really was. Uh, ter tuberculosis is one that was tied to it, and north of San Angelo in Carlsbad uh, was a lung center for people who had tuberculosis okay. back in the 1920s. So that was actually a big, huge drawing card to this area, health-wise. Um, she couldn't pay for both herself to live independently and pay for her husband's treatment, so she found work here at the Bordello. No exception to the fact that soiled doves had only home remedies to birth control. At the time, it was fairly common for these women to become pregnant by their clients, and thus the case was for Miss Mabel. Uh, her husband was eventually treated of the illness and came back to San Angelo. A grateful man, he accepted the child as his own, and, and she lived her own life on in, in New Mexico. Now... How that relates is recently over the last year or so, we believe that it actually might have been Miss Mabel that become, became the second Miss Hattie. And that the original Miss Hattie, by the time, that, say, the 1930s, 1940s, she would have been 40, 50 years old. It might have even been earlier than that. And then she became Miss Honey. And okay. then there was basically a new Miss Hattie. I mean, think about it. Everything had nicknames. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. if you're old, up in New York City, you know, you were old Tommy Joe or whatever it might be. Um, so that, that transition ensured that at least another half a generation or so that, it, that the place actually stayed open. And it was closed by community pressure. It just was very interesting that it took the, um, the basically the, the state of Texas uh, state police to come in and close it down. Wow. <laughs> not locally, not locally. But you see in each one of the rooms, like right here, we have an absolute top-of-the-line first-class honeypot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So from your younger viewers, the honeypot would have been the place where you would have done your business. Right. Right here in the room. But this one is solid pecan, porcelain bowl inside. And it's uh, inside of a neat little cabinet that's about 18, in, well, probably 24 by 24. And... Uh, you emptied the honey pot. I'm sure down here at the toilet, or back, I, in, back in the day, I think a lot of them went out the window. Yeah, <laughs> it even has a piece of, of a beautiful tapestry that's evidently so aged. And in order to even it. get to it, he had to go through a couple of really neat-looking feather fans that <laughs> they were <laughs> that are just—I mean, really—they're they're neat fans, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, it's getting to where it's harder and harder to find this stuff. Things that are hard to find we f when you're trying to, you know, do the, the presentation of it. Uh, liquor bottles with labels on them. Oh. Really old liquor bottles with labels are, with labels are very hard to come by. Uh, and the other are women's shoes that might truly be out of the 20s or 30s that are still in some kind of a condition right. that you could use them as part of the, the props. There's, that's always something. Every museum, I think, has those issues. And, and of course, and we do the quality. We do allow people to come into the rooms. You know, it's normally just a quick little oval circle and walk back out again, right? Um, because we have we do have the stories about each of the individual. And girls. you've got screen doors on each one of the. That's doors original. And, well, the screen doors are original. This original. The screen doors are. The concept that they're here. There's actually one or two that are original. This is not because I see there would have been curtains on the, okay. on the screen doors from about here to here. Okay. And all of the windows would have been open. Normally, you would actually had better ventilation up here on the second floor. 
than you would have downstairs if it was 1942 because there wouldn't have been any air conditioning at right that and time. it gets hot here in the summer exactly so the all of the doors and windows would have been open okay <laughs> okay now let's go ahead and take a quick sponsor break and we'll be right back okay so now we're coming up to this looks this is like a gambling a room gambling room yes yes, yes. Um, this was just a curiosity thing because after I bought the building, we got the jewelry store built out and whatnot. We had a little strange things happening here and there down in our shop and, and jeweler would get kind of spooked on things. So we found out there were ghost stories. Okay. Uh, we like ghost stories. Yeah, whether you, you know. We went to the Montana State Prison and you talk, or Territorial Prison, and, and they do a, a paranormal tour at night well, and she says that it gets pretty wild we, <laughs> so ghost stories we'll hear <laughs> we just uh we started out with simply one of those old school uh little um recorders uh-huh. that had the you know triple a batteries in it we used it in college and whatnot right but sound activated it so this started out with just bringing one of those upstairs here putting it on this table going home overnight and coming up the next day and the first time we look at it and and the tape is at the very end. We're thinking, oh my God, that's very, very cool. Yeah. So we run the tape back. We sit there for the 30 or 40 minutes or something, and there's nothing on the tape. But what got us is, so what turned it on? We're in the middle of the building. Right. And I mean, it could have been a loud engine to come down the street, but if there had been no noise on the tape, it would have shut itself off. That's the way those things work. Right. Well, it didn't. It was at the end of the tape. Well, that's odd. Maybe there's some switch or something we didn't see on it. Checked the batteries. They were good. Put the tape back to the beginning. Brought it up here that night. Set it up. Came back in the next day. And the tape hasn't moved. <laughs> That's odd. Okay. Click, click, click. The batteries are dead. Well, how can that be? Okay. Whatever. So we set it back up. Put new batteries in it. I think we waited a day or two and brought it up here. And then the third time. There were several kind of kind of things. Uh-huh. It was hard because the tape does turn off and on. Right. Um, but what most especially was a, a six or seven seconds where there was a very definite noise. Uh-huh. There was that's all that was on the tape. There was nothing more from that. Um, we never publicized that presence in here. We've had people come into the jewelry store and stop and get this weird look. Oh, you have a presence <laughs> in your building. Yeah, you know. Okay, so. We were interested as well, and we actually had a paranormal group come up here, actually out of, out of Fort Worth. So they were, you know, better-notch people. The whole point to it is, is the guys came up here, they spent the entire night, and had equipment and cables and stuff running all over the place. They called me the next morning and said, hey, we're done, nothing really stood out, uh, but I'll be in touch with you. Okay, that's fine. That was a Sunday morning. I came back down, checked everything, it's fine. Turn the alarm off and go home. About 5 o'clock that afternoon, I get a call from the police department that the alarm has gone off. Well, that's very unusual. In a museum, those are very static places, so right. alarms are very reliable in museums for the most part. I, man, I came running down here. I didn't have a false alarm in five years. Wow. So I get down here, the cops, we walk through the building. It was one of the sensors in the back room. That's odd. It's just something we don't, nothing, you know, a mouse maybe, we don't know. So, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Reset the alarm. I go home. I'm in the garage. Literally turn the truck off. My phone rings again. 
it's the lady from the police department, Mark. That alarm has gone off again. And the guys are a little concerned. We'll meet you there. Well, I'm hauling ass back down here. There's nothing. And it's a different sensor. She can she can sense that from the, okay. the panel. So then uh, I go home, and I kid you not, Lauren, the third time. <laughs> 30 minutes later, the alarm goes off again. This time... My wife, Laura, comes down here with me. I don't need the cops. We're walking through the place. And my wife, Laura, comes up to me and says, you ticked them off. Uh-oh. You pissed them off. And do you know, guys, we didn't have any false alarm after that. We've never done another paranormal thing here because I don't need that extra stress in my life. No. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. enough to, you know, carry on life every day. So whatever presence we have in this building is fine. It's great. It's a good, wonderful presence, and uh, unlike other places, right, right. And so we view it as a is we're lucky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, we had one. We we lived in a house one time that uh, my wife swore up and down was haunted. She swore that she'd seen him, uh-huh. and uh, you know she said, "You're welcome to stay here. I don't want to ever see you again." Uh, do what you need to do, and we were never bothered again. But we had uh, relatives that would come and stay in a certain bedroom, and they would hear somebody walking back and forth out on the porch, moving fishing poles around and lots of other stuff. Uh, there, there were a lot of little things that happened, but when we sold the house, the guy that bought the house came back to us and said, you didn't tell me your house was haunted. And we're going, I said, I've never felt it. I didn't ever know it. I thought the wife was crazy. And he said, well, uh, doesn't like me very well. It hides my clothes. It pulls a, a dresser out that has a rotating mirror on it, and that oh. thing will sit there and spin. Oh. And I'm going, well, I guess maybe she was right. But, <laughs> you know, I'm not sensitive to that stuff. So You'll notice we have, there's a casket in the corner and kind of a mannequin sitting in there. Uh, Miss Hattie had a, had a gentleman named Elmo who worked for her. Okay. I mean, there was always things to be done for the building, stuff for running the business, and she had other properties. And so the mannequin in there represents Elmo because um, he was downstairs out on the street. This would have been in a day when it was the actual brick streets okay. is what we had here. And their next door was a big implement company, mostly farm equipment and whatnot. Okay. And that farm equipment would be brought in sometimes literally on trains, horses, mm-hmm. kind of trains and, and, and trailers and whatnot. And others would be literally brought in through the trains. Well, this particular one had like 10 horses on this one train. They got spooked or something. And somehow or another, he ended up underneath on the side. He ended up getting trampled and was killed. And he was actually, they had the wake here up in the living room. Okay. Now, we've been told that with the presence we have is, is one or two females. Um, but then we've had other people say that there's a, a guy who would fit the description of, of Elmo. And again, this is all good stuff. We don't view it as a negative thing from the standpoint right. of the building. They're, you know, we're not coming into the office and getting people massaging our arm or right. you know, your shoulder exactly. kind of thing while exactly. you're sitting at your desk. <laughs> yeah, there's room for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And, and here in the gambling room, he's got a really nice table set up with chips on it and a couple of poker hands and uh, a suit over here in the corner from Elmo. And a nice, a really nice old uh, Davenport and a couple of chairs, an old chest, some uh, 
old liquor bottles and the such. Right. And then we're moving on down the hall. I guess I should mention, too, you've got a lot of really interesting uh, art hanging on the wall. And art is probably not something that I can describe all that well, but it's, it's period correct and it's bordello related. Actually, the main pictures that are in this hallway came from an artist in Park City, Utah. Okay. That's where my wife was born and raised and her, her family is from there. And this was a local artist and this was depicting uh, scenes as the guy created in the, in the drawings of a, of a bordello, a, a gentleman's club at the time. And I managed to get these prints through Laura's father, and then I had them framed, okay. and and they they do fit. They I mean, fit they, so they well. Really, really do. The decor and the and the whole way that you put this together is just. We have these phenomenal. original lanterns up on the walls, as close as we get, especially from the standpoint of the hangers, and then there are reflectors. That's okay. natural to the time to get the light in the in the lantern to reflect and create more lumens, if you will. And he's brighter. got the kerosene lanterns, yep. the old hurricane type lanterns with a real nice mirrored. Uh, metal plate behind it and I'm sure it would reflect a lot and give a lot more light with that reflection. So and the holders are really classy. Once a year too. it's a private party because we don't rent the building out for venues or anything anymore because people are in a lot of respects disrespectful. Right. And on a no building like this I don't want to take the chance anymore but my wife and I host a party up here every year called the Lantern Party. <laughs> Okay. We limit it to 35, 40 people, pretty much family and friends. Everybody dresses 20s, 30s. Cool. So you the flappers. Yeah. And over the years, I mean, we've got a mortician, we've got a sheriff, we've got a banker, um, we've got the oil man, a golfer. Uh, it's really pretty cool at how the, even the costumes have evolved yep. over the years. But what we do at 10 o'clock at night is I go through and I light the lanterns oh, in the building, and then I go turn the lights off. And you wait about 10 or 20 minutes. You guys, it's just like living in 1928. We're all dressed to the period. You adjust to the light because of the lanterns, because right. that would have been the lighting of the time. And it is very cool to step back in time like that, that if is, just for an evening. That sounds like a really cool thing. So this particular room was Miss Rosie. Um, as we've talked about, Miss Hattie ran a really tight business. Um, there. We don't know what, but there was a special relationship between Rosie and Miss Hattie uh, in that Miss Rosie would be here for a while and then she would be gone, but then she would be allowed to come back again. And again, you know, Miss Hattie, she ran a, she ran a pretty strict business. Um, many of the working girls on Concho Avenue, they wore red shoes and Miss Rosie was no exception to that from the standpoint of the look. She loved the color red. Uh, being one of the more popular ladies at Miss Hattie's, she occupied a suite. So we have this room right here, the room that goes through, there's a door there on the north side, yes, that right. goes through to what has now been converted to a kitchen, would have been her parlor, decorated very similar as the way Miss Hattie would have had Okay, so she had, had her her own, she had her working area and then her, her private space. Exactly. Uh, Miss Hattie's sitting room had a window that was connected to a catwalk, and the window's boarded up now, but originally the scaffolding connected to the windowsill at the roof of the next building. During police raids, Miss Hattie's girls would climb out that window to the adjacent building and hide the girls until the police left. It just happened to be this was the avenue right through this room. Okay. Another now, now, the police raids, were they legitimate police raids or were the police just showing up because there had been a complaint? Uh, I went over to the county one time, and one of the girls over there saw me standing there. I was taking care of some other business, and she said, we ran across one of the old big books, 
I mean, these books are like three feet tall. Right. You know, and there's thousands of entries in it. And they kept lists of vagrancy. And one of the things that she said she had noticed as she thumbed through it is you might find one or two girls, okay, for that. Right. But never like six. Right. <laughs> so I think it was probably, you know, maybe one person upset another person and they disrupted business for, for a period of time. Who knows what the real rhyme or reason behind it was. In this case, Miss Rosie, though, and Miss Hattie and the relationship they had. Um, guys, Miss Rosie really enjoyed what she did. And she would work here for a period of times. She was in great demand. Uh, she actually was one of the few girls. We have her oh. high school graduation certificate there on the wall. We almost know ever, ever, ever have anything like that. Wow. Um, and for a single woman of the time, uh, we don't know what her circumstances were with her parents or anything, but she would have been considered educated if alone by having the high school diploma. Yeah, yeah. And it says San Angelo High School, so she must have gone to school here. And her name was Rosa Lee Carley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you've got her diploma from the 15th day of June 1919. Wow. So having those little personal things let all of us know and remind me that they were real people. Right. And they had lives, and they, you know, they went to the grocery store just like all the rest of us at the time. Um, and as I said, sometimes this lifestyle was for a very short period of time or maybe even a, a longer period of time. Uh, in fact, is in the next room is Miss Goldie. And uh, Miss Goldie, you know, now when we have older folks come and do the tour, there's nobody really left alive anymore who would have really come up here. I mean, if, right. if a young man was 20 years old in 1950, yeah. you know, I don't think he's going to be able to get up the stairs. But Miss Goldie was the star attraction. She was lovely with natural golden blonde hair, and she commanded the exorbitant fee of $2 for her favors. While a girl in the back room at a difficult in a different kind of establishment might have gotten 25 cents a visit, all of Miss Hattie's women's earned a dollar per visit at least. At one point, a wealthy rancher had crooned her away from Miss Hattie's, you know, with the promises of riches and all that. Um, she honored his witches, uh, but she ended up destitute and back here at Miss Hattie's. And she stayed here literally until the place was raided and shut down by the, by the Texas Rangers. Wow. Um, and then she moved actually across the street to a hotel. It's the building's abandoned, as you can tell out there. Um, and uh, she died over there at the hotel. And, and, you know, I think in some respects she might have been protected in, in the community because even the Miss Hattie, as we refer to Miss Hattie, who morphed into her own other person, uh, Miss Honey, right. uh, Miss Honey would have still, I think, protected her girls, even though the business itself would have been closed down. Right. So, you know, we've never heard. Even I've owned the building now for 25 years, so I can go back far enough that we did have guys right, who right. could make it up those stairs. We had a guy one time, one Saturday morning, showed up real early with his wife. I want to do the tour, and he's pretty, he's kind of having, he's not on a walker, but he's having a hard time getting around. Step by step, we make it up the stairway, and he gets up to the top step, and he falls. Thank God he fell forward. But the screen door right there hit him in the head pretty hard, cut him pretty bad, called an ambulance. I came and got him. Whew, man, okay. 
We got to, you know, we'll have to fix that. He's in here at two o'clock that afternoon. Big old bandage on his head. Well, this time the wife <laughs> does not come in. Okay. He basically walks in the door and flicks his finger at me. He says, come here, son. And we went back outside. He says, I'm going to do this tour. His wife is sitting outside in a little planter box and she doesn't even meet my eye. She's not a happy camper whatsoever. <laughs> he gets up the stairs. He makes the turn to the left to look back in towards the living room. And he stands there with his hand on the top of the stair right there. And he looks and he says, that wasn't there. <laughs> oh boy, I'm going to be able to maybe get some details out of this. Um, he just was not a talkative. He walked down the hallway he would glance into the rooms. He'd mumble a few things. He'd laugh. And he left. And you couldn't get anything from him? Not, no, oh. not really. That's, that's rough. That is, that is. But, you know, those are bygone days. We don't have those stories so much anymore. Um, but it's still a legacy that, you know, you look at the building, you look at the, the, the furnishing. It was an opulent era, wasn't it? Oh, yes, yes. I mean, well, this one here has a sitting room back here and a doorway that goes into a sitting room. And you've got two couches and, a, and three or four chairs and a little heater and a coffee table in the middle, a vase with some roses. But then it comes back here into Miss Goldie's bedroom. And again, there's the bed and the curtains. What you've done in here with your with your curtains and your blinds and, and the dressers and the beds and the bedspreads is just unbelievable. Thank you. This is such a, cla it's a classy, classy place. And you know what's fun about this is this was actually put together over the period of five or seven years with people from all over the community. That is just awesome. So you've had a lot of I mean, of, we'd have people drive up support. Yeah, in the front of the jewelry store and come in with a box of something. I have a ton of hats. Oh, really? I don't know if they're in this particular wardrobe or not. Let me glance. No, this is a bunch of uh, coats and jackets and shirts. All period direct clothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. But in one of the other wardrobes, there are a ton of hats. I mean, pretty crazy looking. Today, they would be considered pretty crazy hats. It's, it's amazing that that's a trend with the women that had never really, you know, been a nationwide kind of a theme is wearing hats again. But you watch the old movies and you've got those wild looking hats with all the ladies at church. Always. The guys had better take them off at the front, but they had their hats on through the whole through the whole service. At some point after the uh, the sporting goods store was here, there was an addition to the back side of the building. And so what it was originally back here was just simply a roof. So you went out the door and it was equivalent to a uh, fire escape, right? Right. So the man that owned the building before me put in trusses that are up underneath this. And so what it has now is decking, but it's three feet from this decking down to the ceiling of our jeweler shop. Okay. So we turned it into a usable area. It got beat up pretty bad by hail here back five months ago. Uh, but it's got ornate, beautiful cast wrought iron. iron. I mean, the yeah, wrought iron, wrought yeah. iron and, the, and the metal work on it is phenomenal. Uh, artisan out of uh, Alpine, Texas, way out in deep west Texas, did this work. This is a nice sitting area. You, you probably use this for your beautiful out at night. Party and if it were normal times and the bars and restaurants were open on a given Saturday night, uh, my friends and I will meet back here and just hang around one of the tables, play a few games of blackjack or something. But we can hear the music. 
Oh, from the downtown area. So it really, really is enjoyable. Well, that's really cool. Well, this has been a fantastic tour and, and so much information and history and, and knowledge to be gained. You know, every community's got the, the history, Lauren. I think this was a pretty rough and tough area before San Angelo Incorporated uh, and Fort Concho was the primary enforcer, if you will, from the standpoint of any, any laws, such right. as they were even back then. Um, you know, it took the community itself to uh, to organize things and and I, I find it interesting that and I don't know if this is so much in other places but here if you took San Angelo knowing that we had the water and this is a center point of say commerce and banking then you look at how far the other communities are around the area uh, Ballinger and Sonora other smaller communities but they're typically fall at about a day's walk okay or a half day's ride or a full day's ride. So you find 20, 30, and 40 miles consistently in how far out communities are. And I just, I find that interesting because that makes sense why those communities would end up being there. If you went from here to Ballinger, there's a portion of the river, but that distance right there would have been a, basically a full day's walk. Right. You don't find them in some odd number. I've noticed on the map. I, I think that's a pretty cool thing. So See, Wyoming's the same way. You know, I would every think so because it's very Every rural. 10 miles or so, you had a stage stop. Now, they're not all there anymore, but when you're driving through different areas, you know, you go to Winchester. There's just farmland in Winchester, but 10 miles further, there's neighbor. And 10 miles further, and, and none of these places exist anymore, but they were... A stage stop that had a motel, uh, usually a post office, and a place to, to liquor up a little bit if you wanted to and get back on your stagecoach. They would change horses there. There was a livery stable, yeah. and they would change out their horses and then go the next 10 miles. There and that's go. about what horses wanted to do, I think, is about a 10-mile ride a day. If you, if you ran them 20 or 30, you were going to wear your horses out, and, and that horse had to be available the next day for the trip back. I'm trying to think of when the railroad came here, 1906, 7, 8, 9, somewhere in that time frame. And, of uh -huh. course, then the railroad was the, the connector to right. the whole rest of the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even when, when this was being developed in that time frame. And, of course, then when they struck oil, that really started bringing it. It was an oil boom of sorts in the in the early 1920s. So it's yeah. like any community, we have our history. I just think it's a it's an amazing balance of the old architecture because any of these downtown areas that still exist, that's so cool that you still have those buildings. Yes, uh, but a balance between the farming to the e to the east of town, a uh, lot of cotton from, I mean, cotton is king in West Texas. Oh, I've seen yeah cotton. I, I did not know that cotton was as prevalent as it is, but they put it up in the round bale uh, form and big old squares. The squares have got to be 10 foot high and 20 foot long. Yeah. And they're just, uh, it's amazing how much cotton's here. Makes me want to go out and buy a t-shirt. <laughs> so that money, you know, provided to the economy of the area and then the ranching uh, sheep, goats, and cows. And that's the core of it. Plus the fact that we have the water, the railroad came in and then having the fort. Right. And San Angelo's just continued to grow. Our downtown area, though, is really amazing. It just has such a great mixture of uh, Fifi Dubois, uh, classic rock venue, um, 
the dead horse around the corner, which is head banging rock and roll, uh, jazz place around the other corner, um, Liddy's Boots, a very, very famous boot maker around the corner from us here. Um, Eggemeyer's General Store, probably one of the biggest, most amazing. There's just stuff you can find. You want, you want to find candy from the 1920s, they have it. Wow. So that kind of a mixture makes what we have down here. And then the river has been developed to where you can go hiking. It's just a, it's very, very surprising. You know? It is. I did and, not expect to see yeah. this when I came in here yesterday. And like I said, Linda and I are both extremely impressed. And we plan on, we were going to San Antonio. But I think we're going to spend the day in San Angelo. You got to drive by the fort, and I'll tell you, you know, there's we've got the lily gardens. They're just, you know, and your listeners, they can, you know, Google San Angelo. It is very, very surprising. And now with everything that's going on, you know, and seeing other states that are shutting down, I like being a little more rural, right, right, right. now versus being in the, you know, in the bigger cities, and the fact that we're fairly isolated out here. We don't have an interstate; just twenty to the north and ten to the south. And and that's just a really, this is a great place to be right now. Yeah. Well, I so much appreciate your time, Mark. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. Do you, you have a website? Do you have a gallery on your website? Oh, yes. For Miss Hatties, www.misshatties.com. Okay. Um, the pearls we were talking about uh, that are unique to the area that are found in the mussel shells, you can go to the www.legendjewelers.com. Okay. And we have the Concho Pearls. They're just, those are other things that are unique about, about San Angelo. And, and let's it, spell Miss Hattie because oh, it, it could be a DD or a TT. No. It's a TT. It's M I S S, Miss right. Hattie, H I T T, I'm sorry, H A T T I E S. Okay. So it's Miss Hattie's. Right. Dot com. Yeah, I just didn't want people looking with the double D instead of the double T because right. the double T is where it's at. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. well said so i hope everybody's really enjoyed this podcast mark has been so much fun to do a podcast with and he is so knowledgeable and uh like i say at the end of all these podcasts the world is full of wonder people need to get out and explore see new things uh, this San Angelo is a totally new surprise to me. I would not have expected it had I not been here and stopped and took a look around. You need to get out and explore. And everybody, have a wonder-filled day. All the rolling go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?